Passing Dimes is proud to welcome a new partner to the show, Momentum Pro Camps. Momentum Pro Camps runs volleyball camps across Ontario, bringing professional athletes, coaches, and resources to communities, clubs, and partners. Momentum's mission is to inspire and develop high performers for life, and they're doing just that. Unfortunately, because of the COVID-19 pandemic, Momentum has suspended all programming until permitted by local public health recommendations. However, they have developed incredible future programming for athletes to benefit from and are excited to share it with all of you when we can play again. Follow us on social media at Momentum Pro Camps for updates and details on future programs or email us at contact at MomentumProCamps.com. Stay excellent, friends. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode four of Sharp Cuts. Garrett, Sharp Cuts 4, and I feel like every week we get a little bit better. The guests get a little bit more high performance, a little bit more top tier, and this week is, uh, we'll see what the poll says after this, but I'm excited. We got some good <laughs> subjects. I think we're prepared. Uh, we're off to a good start. Every episode's gotten a little bit better. This one will be the test if we can continue to peak, or if this one, it, it might take a dip. We'll see. We'll see. But I'll pass it over to my guy, my partner in crime from Yes Guy Gaming, Garrett May, the guy who really came up with the concept of the show. So, Garrett, take it over. Tell us what we're in for this week. Introduce our guests. I, I, I'm excited to get this one going. Well, hey, everybody, and welcome to Sharp Cuts. As Josh mentioned, he's Josh Nickel. I'm Garrett May, Yes Guy Gaming, Passing Dimes, teaming up to make Sharp Cuts. Thanks for joining. Subscribe if you haven't already. YouTube. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, all of them. I don't know where you're listening, but welcome if you are. Let's meet our guests. Let's get right into it today. We don't we don't got a lot of time, so let's hop in. Uh, first up, a guy we've had on the show before. Uh, he may be disappointed about his results in the recent poll, but we'll talk about that a little bit later. It's Jake McNeil. Welcome back to the show, Jake. What's up? What's up? Dude, you're getting better at that. I think the speed was quicker that time. You made sure you got everything in. That was big. Uh, I'm excited to be back. Had a ton of fun last time. Last time I did have the legend, John May, carrying me through the absolute episode. He did. So the fact that I'm back without him this time, I think it's really going to be, this is where I'm going to make or break myself here, I think, you know. so. Well, listen, you're going to endear yourself significantly if you come on the show and just compliment the hosts right away. I think that's going to go a long way for you getting welcome back. So thanks for that. Um, we got to meet our second guest, though. And I'll be honest, we, we looked wide and far for people to come on the show, and we struggled really, really widely to find people who we wanted to have on the show. So we just found some random guy. Apparently knows a lot about volleyball. Please welcome the show, Joel Hannon. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Happy to join the show um, after the steep incline to uh, fame so that I don't bring you guys down. I'm what's called the token, I guess, to make the show more relatable to the fans. Because <laughs> I'm not actually that high performance of a person. They feel it's more relatable for them. Well, listen, we always, we, I will say you're more high performance than our previous tokens we've had on the show. Um, but welcome both you guys. Thanks for joining. Um, I'm not really sure what we want to talk about today. We kind of exhausted all Jake's great stories. Maybe he's got a few, but uh, I think Josh, what are we going into? Where are we starting? Cause I'm eager to get into it and let's get it rolling. Well, this is why we have Joel on the show, because not only does he just come out with the come out of the gates with a great joke, but uh, him and I have had a lot of conversations over the years. He's he's known as one of the bad boys at the OUA with that Ryerson team, but on on the beach, he's one of the good guys. One of uh, the original bad boys. Bad boys. <laughs> Joel's a ba we got a bad boy on the show. I wouldn't say <laughs> original by it, but I would definitely give myself a, about a three month window uh, where we were calling ourselves. Yeah, that was a. That was a naming convention. Are we taking any risks by having you on the show? Just saying, because we don't want any bad PR. You know how world famous this show is. So, like, is there anything we need to know about before we get in? No scandals coming through. Ruquettes isn't here, so I think we're okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as, yeah, as long as we don't talk about uh, U of T or, or Windsor games, then I think we're good. Okay, great. Nobody really cares about both of those schools, so I think we're good. Josh, what are we talking about? <laughs> So with Joel being such a great guy around the beach environment, we've had a lot of conversations about like the what ifs. Like not only is he a high level player, but he's a big fan, and we like to. We're gonna play out some hypotheticals here today, and the first one we're gonna play out because it's it's near and dear to my heart, and I think the fans would really appreciate it. Is when Garrett May won a world championship. Can you guys believe he wasn't the first pick overall that year? That he was actually an injury substitution. I Let's can't. play out the hypothetical of what would have happened there. So the true story is Sam Schachter and Dan Deering were scheduled to go to Turkey to play in the Youth World Championships, and then Garrett got the call. 
Yeah, I'm glad that uh, we're bringing this up when they're not on the show. So any any talk that is happening is from me and neither of their and perspectives, which I'm really Which thankful. is the absolute truth. So there's no way to twist this. Right? Absolutely. So, yeah. I mean, that's, that's absolutely true. They were practicing full on. Um, but I think we all kind of knew Dan was not going to be able to go. No offense, Dan, but uh, he was a big Band-Aid that year. Um, and I was, yeah, I was ready to hop in. So the way I remember it, and I'll, I'll say my theory first, and maybe the other guys can add to it or counter it, is Sam was the full-time blocker there and was absolutely gassed. And Garrett, you can confirm or deny, but there was medical timeouts. He was getting served every ball. It was really trendy those years. Hot environments, serve the full-time blocker, just make them into a marathon. And my my theory is, as much as this hurts me to say, I don't think Canada walks away with a world championship because I don't think Dan had the training capacity to do what Sam did. And, and I don't know if that's fair to say, but that would be my theory is if that happens in that ripple effect, we're not world champions right now. Can I, uh, I I didn't hear this story that this happened up until recently. There was an injury sub. Like, how close to the tournament did that happen? Like, what's what's the background? You don't have to divulge any Dan Deering injuries, but. No, I'll get like, full into it. Forget Dan. I'll tell you everything <laughs> you need to know about that guy. That trainer. He was ta- we were talking last episode about how he was playing with Schachter in practice and saying how great it is to have Sam as his partner and how he never had a partner defend let this good. And it's like, Dan, I'm right here, buddy. Like, you're on my freaking show. So I got no problem with that. Uh, it was about a month before. Um, oh. A month before the tournament, injury substitution. I'd been training all year with a different guy, Nick Del Bianco. Shout out. Uh, we went to the U19 Worlds hey. and, uh, and finished fourth. Uh, which I came back out of that tournament thinking like, man, I definitely, we should have won that tournament. So coming home, totally disappointed. And then like within a week, I get the call. So that's how it happened. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I, yeah. Well, I, again, trained against and, and played against all three of those guys and, and Dan being very, very physical, athletic player. I think that would have been an interesting pairing to see Sam and Dan going, uh, going over there and competing for sure. But I think playing in a couple world championships, knowing how, how difficult the competition is and how hard it is. I know that you have to have everything go right. Everything, your full team working. And I feel like you guys had a really strong team go there. And, and some of the names that I hear, like some of the stories that I've heard that were at the world championships with you guys. And I don't know if you're, if those guys are getting all the exact same support and, and everything that, you guys received so that's kind of an interesting thing that i would i would wonder about but i feel like to to win a world championship you got to have everything kind of fall into place so i think that it's a tough game to play the the hypothetical games and and again dan deering very very special very very special athlete watching him in our training environment even today so i'd be i'd be definitely interested to see i think it's a very interesting topic to bring up but i think that like I said, you need those you need those key pieces, and it seems so, like you guys. So have to sorry them. to interrupt you, Jake, but after all that, still not offering a yay or nay opinion on that. Couldn't help but notice. I sit on the fence uh, with the best of them. The right diplomacy. <laughs> I'm saying I'm saying that I I think that they would have had a hard time taking home the championship just because I don't think they would have had the same supportive team there as well. Hold on, so hold on. So you're crediting my dad and Marquise. Definitely. But the, the, the reason why are you absolutely, you know, okay, fine. That's your opinion. No, but you're you, totally you flipping you wrong, bud. That that, you don't think that that had a, a big aspect on how you won there, Garrett? Uh, I think it definitely did, like for sure. But that was kind of, it's hard to separate my dad from me, given that we share a lot of DNA similar. So it, it's a tough, it's a tough sell there. It's like, oh, well, without Shaqter's dad who John Schachter is a beauty. Without him, I mean, hey, where would Sam be? You know what I'm saying? No YouTube videos from his uh, U19 days, that's for sure. I mean, still none. Where are they? I got the videos. What have I done with that? Nothing. (laughs) So me having uh, been to zero world championships uh, as spectator or as athlete, I got, I have a few more questions before I'm able to offer my, my opinion on this, but I certainly am keen for a hot take on it. I need to know where was it? Where was this world championship that year? Where was it? Turkey average 36 to 40 degrees Celsius weather. Tough, tough. And when you were there with Sam, he blocked full time. Or did you split block? Oh, full-time, Sam. What, you, you thinking this guy's up at the net blocking? Come on. Soft blocks. Soft blocks, maybe. Listen, I was a mean blocker back in the day, but when you got Shaqter, I think I can sit back and make a few digs. How big, how, big a, how big of a difference would you say that Shaqter's 
blocking made in the in the tournament? Like, do you feel like he actually was a presence up there? Or do you feel like nothing would have dangerous? You bring up a great question, and I'll I should say this to Sam's face. Sam was the best blocker in that tournament by far, hands down. He was the top blocker. He was a fantastic side of player, made a ton of blocks, great peel digs. Um, and he deserves more credit. The fact that he's playing defense now, I mean, is a credit to how good of a player he is, but also how he, he is a bit of an idiot for being a world champion as a blocker and then ditching his partner and moving to another position. I don't see him winning any world championships since then, so just saying. Yeah, yeah I, I'm, I'm going to go out and say Shakhtar's one of the best blockers in our program still. Josh, you can attest to that. We see him at the net sometimes, and he, he, can, he can throw down with the best of them. I, I know we went out and played a little... KOB tournament this summer and and uh, I got to play a match with him up there at the net and it's pretty it's pretty scary him up there honestly it's weird asking your best defender in the program to talk about blocking but the way he talks about framing the court and the way he reads and he fronts like he understands that position really well that yeah a bit of an idiot but he did make the transition still an Olympian as a defender but not a world champion yet yet I'll say but uh... well if you're not ready for a hot take Joel I am there's no effing way that those guys would have won, no question. I mean, if you want to take them in a single game, that's that's a that's a talented duo to put in a single game. Go in, go get a few blocks, side out to win. But if you want to put together a full tournament in 40-degree heat, there's no way. Absolutely not. And I will say, we're giving Schachter a lot of credit here. And if there's yeah. anybody to speak about themselves in a positive light, you're looking at them. 14-13. <laughs> set. World Championship point. It's 36 degrees Celsius outside. You're playing the whole game. You've already taken injury timeout for fatigue. You get served, and you have the side out for the World Championship. Who do you want attacking that ball to put it away? I mean, like, come on. I think the answer is obvious. Are you? Are you? You want us to say you? <laughs> well, Check your game notes, bud. Yeah, it's obvious. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. What are you saying? I mean. <laughs> You you attacked you attacked fourteen thirteen Garrett you put it away for match yeah I can't believe they didn't block me cross I was only ever going to pound at angle and I did and they didn't didn't try to stop it like but that's also a risk like do you block cross and then the guy just sneaks it line for the win like so yeah pounded it for the win right so like I don't know not they, saying that neither of those guys you. are they served they served you fourteen thirteen or you made a dig in transy no they served me. So you're telling me your partner's out there taking medical injury timeouts, 14-13, they're throwing a serve your way. Absolutely. There you go. And this isn't just some jabroni. This was Philo. This is a a guy. Well, two of the top Brazilian players now. I mean, yeah, we were in some good company. Those three guys are top players on tour right now, and there's a fourth who's really not in that mix. And, uh, I mean, I'm kind of keen to move past that and just glaze over that point a little bit because uh, it's bringing up some top memories, boys. Sorry, who was the blocker for Brazil that year? It was Vitor. Yeah, I I think I'm going to say that if it's Sam and Dan, they – they do. Who'd you beat in the semis? Uh, an Austrian team. I can't remember their names, to be honest. Okay, we'll say they beat them. But I think I think fourteen thirteen in that heat. I think yeah. I'll, I'll give the credit to you. I think you being you being there makes the difference. Well, thanks, Joel. I mean, you may be welcome back on the show. I think that, uh, that's going to go a long way. Uh, I'm certainly not going to get invited for my uh, accolades or my trophy case for volleyball. So if I can get back for just being a nice guy, I'll I'll take it. Hey, well, we, like had, we had Oscar Cahu on the guy, show. What? Now I'm confused. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> listen, we had Oscar Cahu on the show, and he's got negative accolades to his name. So, I mean, you're, you're doing all right. <laughs> How does that work? You're so bad. They just take him away. Like, you have to earn, you have to win two tournaments to, to get credit for winning one? Yeah, like, you know, like, he had, he had yeah. to pay for any accolade he got, really. It didn't, he didn't earn it. You can buy trophies. There's something yeah. like that. So many, just a full room full of trophies. Yeah, he started a, he started an email farm in India to vote for himself in the poll last week. So, I mean, <laughs> he, he's, he's struggling. All right, so we've settled that one. The point's not lost, though. I think Jake's point about Marquise, John May, and Euchre games. I, I mean, Garrett versus Dan is the conversation, but those those ripple effects that happen, that, that's not lost, especially based on last, uh, last week's episode with Shakter talking about just getting punched in the mind so much during those Euchre games that he was so battle-tested and ready for the on-court, that that can't be, you know, just washed away that it's a straight Garrick Dan sub. There was a lot going on. That's, yeah. That's all I was trying to say, but, you know. 
No, I mean, it's a great point, and it's one that's been made to me my entire life. So if you guys stop that shit, I'd be really appreciative. <laughs> I mean, Garrett's great, but how great is his dad? Yeah, like, yeah. like cut that noise. Well, he hasn't hey, been on the show for it. two weeks. We can't stop talking about him. Enough of that. Coming. Let's move on to the next one. Show. Hopefully this one doesn't involve John May either. What the heck? Jay and Jay, I got to look out for my boy. You know, we're still waiting for our startup. Yeah disappointed about that and again once again we forgot the waiver so don't even bring up the thought maybe we'll just glaze past it and we don't even need to talk about well yeah josh save us here <laughs> moving on this one this one doesn't hit quite as close to home but when i heard it i immediately started talking to my guy joel about about this i was like is there truth to this and we know it's true because the guy in the story told the story on another podcast i don't know if i should say their name but it happened on sandcast maybe check them out it's okay uh so phil dalhauser and nick lucena were invited by qatar to basically move there and start representing qatar on the world tour and i this was we're guessing early 2000s maybe as late as 2005 before phil and todd hooked up but if that would have happened the ripple effect for not only usa volleyball but volleyball in general like without having phil and todd in our sport and everything else that phil's accomplished because now he's a guitar guy just the ripple effects that i think would be so gnarly on our sport and i'd love to discuss and play with that hypothetical that if Phil wasn't USA, what, what what would he have accomplished in his career? If he didn't play with Todd, what would he have done? I feel like I feel like the year must have been 2005 because they I don't see a federation approaching people in an Olympic year like 2004 about something like this. I feel like it's the year after. It's 2005, and like Phil and Nick have just won their first AVP, and Qatar's looking to win some Olympic medals, and they poach them. It's a pretty crazy story, though. And like the fact that they so what I heard was they're on the way to the airport and they get a speeding ticket or they get or something happens to the car and they miss their flight to go to Qatar. And then there's like a miscommunication between them and like the head of the Olympic Federation there. And they rescind their offer while Phil and Nick are still in Florida. And so it wasn't even a matter of like, I think it was just a miscommunication that actually ended it all. So it was so close to actually happening that, yeah, that would have changed it. That would have, that would yeah, have someone else into the U, into the top two for USA. And history. for anyone who's listening, who thinks like that never happens. Well, no, Brazilians went to Georgia and represented them and got them to the Olympics, right? Like this has happened say, before, a few, right? A few years later, Jefferson from Brazil over to Qatar and uh, actually did qualify for the Olympics. So it definitely is a, a thing, and it, it does yeah. happen. And let's jump into the the, the what-if game, though, because I think that's what we're here to, yeah, I here mean, to play, right? Came Shulk, Canadian, he's transitioned. He's in America now. And, I mean, what you have to do is you have to pay ten grand U.S., I think, and you got to sit out two years. So if it was in yeah, 2005, they would have been really handicapped in the Olympic qualifying that but year. That's, but that's only if you've played for your country. So from what I understand – Phil and Nick had not played any events. They were just ADP guys at this time. So they would have been, they would have been okay to just go over there from what I understand. Well, Um, I will say this, the American program is one that is strong and they always have at least three or four teams in the top 24 and have teams that don't make it who deserve to make it because of the country quota requirements. So, I mean, yeah, there was the year that Phil and Todd won all those events, and that was pretty unbelievable. But, you know, to say that an American team wouldn't have been in the hunt and might not have won the Olympics or World Championships or something like that, I mean, because they Phil and Todd aren't there, it makes room for another team. Like, you know, there were a lot of great teams at that time. No, I think, and I think that it's just an interesting, because I feel like, yeah, Phil and Nick won a... Uh, an AVP, but it, it wasn't really until Todd picked up Phil and, and did a lot of things with them, from what I understand from the stories I've heard, done a lot of training, did a lot of mental work, all these physical conditioning, things of that nature that uh, Phil just wasn't really doing before, that he really became the monster kind of that he that he was on the, on the world tour. So I don't know. And then, of course, Nick Lucena going through his own kind of journey, his own path, and then coming back and being ready to play with Phil later. But I don't I don't know if they reached the heights I don't know if Phil reaches the heights that he was at without Todd because Todd was kind of the anything you talk to Todd was the full brain behind that that operation and and so I I have a hard time believing that they're just going to Qatar 
I don't know who the guitar coach is. I don't know what's happening there, but, and they're just all of a sudden, the two of them are just dominating the world tour. I find that very hard to believe. I think if they go there, we've never heard of them. Yeah. How long, how long does that last? Like, do they just go there for the one quad? And then like, was it, was it even a part of the deal that they have to stay in Qatar? I, I, yeah. Like, can they just live in California still? And, and just, they just have to wear like, QAT on their pennies when they're at tournaments. That sounds like a good deal to me. Like you don't have to deal with all of the headache of USA volleyball, like people that are in like pushing for you and you, you have to worry about country quotas and all that. That sounds like a good deal to me. I mean, I'm available if anybody's listening out there and wanting to kind of take on a new comer to their country i'm available just give me a call like i'll switch countries no problem i love Canada, two, but hey, i'm a free agent two years probably right garrett's been the two years you just got to fork up the money right buddy and you're ready to go well i'm gonna need those two years to get back into the mix you know like to get <laughs> back in training so it'll be perfect perfect i think the part that i'm torn about is when phil was at his prime though if he could design a volleyball player in a lab they would serve like phil they would block like Phil. They would hit two balls like Phil. Like he did reach like best player of all time status. Would he have done that without Todd? And and quick plug for our other show, Passing Nights Podcast, episode one hundred six, Todd Rogers. Hearing the way Todd designed that team, like Todd was the one siding out every ball. Todd was the one teaching Phil how to travel, what to do in situations. Okay, after this timeout, I want you to reach and cross block. Like I think Todd's influence on Phil is probably what made Phil Phil. Where I think if Phil's in guitar, still a, an amazing athlete, absolute unicorn in our sport. But I just I don't think he achieves what he did without Todd teaching him the details of our sport and taking it because didn't didn't Todd and Phil win like nine of twelve majors during their cycle together like a, a record that will probably never be challenged well who knows with Norway and maybe Shakhtar Pedlo I got to give the Canadian guys a show but nine of twelve majors is absolutely ridiculous or the runs they would go on and win multiple tournaments in a row like I, I just oh. think Todd's value in this with the unknown makes up for I don't think it could happen again. And the the side of percentage that he was putting together at that time too, even Phil with Seti, Phil's the best center in the world in his prime, right? Like there's so many things. so many so many layers. I think Alisson and Bruno put together a pretty pretty stout run before sixteen, right? I don't know how many they won if it was the same amount. That was but, four in a row plus a world yeah. championship. Well, they beat me. Right? That's all I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only game that matters. So this is uh, passing dimes, tossing pillows because everybody just seems to have the same. Uh, same reaction here, right? Everybody but I'm curious the same thing. About, what I want to figure out, though, is, okay, Phil, Phil and Nick go to Qatar. Forget about them now. Who in the U.S.? Because Todd Rogers that time is still, we could say, like, still one of the top defenders in the U.S. Who does he, who does he pick up? He doesn't turn Jake Gibbon to Phil. Like, I don't think that's a fair comparison. I don't think, like, I don't think they do that. Well, oh, yeah, but were... Gibbs one of the best players in the world. That's what I'm saying. Like, they have next man up. Like, they make it worse, right? They they made it? I mean, Gibb and Rosenthal at that time, too, were were, were a top team as well. Yeah, I don't think – I don't know. I don't think Gibbs just leaving Rosenthal for for Todd at that time. I don't. Rosenthal was the guy then before Todd. So who was the next guy in that era? He's not doing this with – I hope he's not listening, like Stafford Slick or somebody. Like, I think – no, you pick you pick the next guy. Like whoever whoever's the best guy, you take him. If For Todd's Ringer, the best guy, like, who, you who go with the, the best guy. Blocker at that time, like yeah. Who else went to the Beijing Olympics for U.S.? It was Rosie Rose, and Gibb. Rose, Gibb and, Rose, Gibb. Yeah. and I think they finished like fifth or something, didn't they? They got a fifth, yeah. Like you yeah. see the Brazilian guys, they switch all the time. The U.S. guys are switching partners here and there. Like you go with the best guys, so the best teams are going to rise to the top, and that's who you see. So like. The Americans are so good, and they have, they're so deep that I'm, if Todd's going to find a guy, and I don't know if he's that successful, but he's still going to be successful. If you're good, talent will travel. I just don't see Todd and Theo Brunner winning a world championship. Like I just, I, I don't see that. Can I, I think Phil was still unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, Theo and Nick put together a fourth. That's true. Point. Yeah. yeah, I think to Garrett's point that american teams you you go and you play american nine they they still they can still ball like they yeah, i i do agree with that point i don't know i don't think any of them are reaching the limits that that todd and phil reach together and i don't think phil and nick are reaching those limits at guitar either so i think for sure to, to garrett's point it, it would be a next man up and there's still another team going to olympics and maybe putting together another fifth i don't know if they're dominating the way that phil and todd did i don't think that's happening i don't think that uh, phil and nick are dominating in guitar the way that uh they they did so i don't know you don't you don't think they get all their they're all the all their tournaments paid for they get a little salary bump on the side too like a flat payment like no matter if you get like if you that would make it worse season, 
If you, you don't got think, no skin I, in the game, if nobody's pushing you, if you're not earning that paycheck, you're not doing it. Like you're just going through the motions. You're not going to hit those podiums and hit those finals because you need that to live. If somebody's paying your way, that doesn't make for you really being that hungry. You think you think that? I mean, the NBA players seem to. I think Austin Matthews is just done. fine with what yeah. he's doing. <laughs> Austin Matthews has never won. Has never won a thing. Yeah, but somebody's got to win in that. Oh, so I'll just name a different hockey player than Steven Stamkos. Like, who do you want me to name? <laughs> well, yeah, Steven Stamkos. When did he win the cup? Last year. Yeah, and who's he got with him? A Pretty bunch of really good players. A bunch of really, really good really players, good. right? Like, yeah. I'm talking about indivi- an individual sport like beach, where it's like one, two guys. You need to have that hunger. You got to be a little bit crazy to win. You got to be putting it all on the line to win. Because if you're not, if you're just coasting, like when it comes down to it, if you win, you're okay. If you lose, you're okay. If that guy wins, he's going to pay feed his family. If he doesn't, he's going to struggle. Like I don't know who are you. Who are you picking? Are we are we holding like a gold medal at the Beijing Olympics? Like like the term for success here? Because I think like you look at let's talk about the golf. Bring the golf world in. You got a guy like Jordan Spieth who has been who just had like kind of a bit of a comeback this past week. And great round. Early on in his career, he gets a huge couple hundred million dollars from Under Armour, a couple hundred million dollars from whoever else. I, I got to support Garrett on that point. You go a long time with, like, he's still in the top 20 in the world for the past eight years or whatever. But has, he hasn't won a major since, what, tw- like, early 2010s, maybe? I got I to I side with my guy Garrett here. Well, there has been a study as a bit of a stats nerd, and I do rip into this. There, there is a study inside baseball that people's career year, on average, happens before their contract year. Like the last year when their contract expires is the year they they overperform their average or what their capacity is. So there is some human nature into this that I agree with Garrett, and I'm finally we could you know disagree on something because as as Jake said, this has turned into a pillow fight and not sharp cuts there for a while. Where I'm yeah. glad we could get a little bit salty and into a debate here. No, I think yes, all of you. But I mean, that. I I'm I'm looking at this the really. Again, yes, I agree in the middle in the middle aspect. But I'm talking about the really special athletes. Look at Carrie Walsh; she's not uh, she's not struggling by any by any means, and she's out there just absolutely dominating every day because she has that hunger and that desire to absolutely kick your ass at any any stage and whatever it is. And I think that that's more where it comes down to the true true champions, not whether they need to feed their family or not. But it's do you have that desire to absolutely go out there and dominate i mean i agree but if you if you line me up in a boxing ring with mike tyson you know i gotta feed my family he doesn't who's coming out of that ring it's not gonna be me you know like at some point talent will just overtake right that's what i'm saying but when it comes to the peak of the peak you need everything on your side i mean i mean we we see it all the time and especially in beach volleyball when you're not getting paid that much (laughs) you're really not my career earnings, I mean, you can look them up online. It's not paying anybody's rent, that's for sure. That's a good point. Have we exhausted this one? Should we go to the last one? Well, I mean, I'm pissed at both Jake and Josh right now, so I don't know. You you make that call, Josh. Joel is doing a lot to endear himself to me. He may get ass back on the show. I think I think it's going to be... I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not here saying that it's it's not a fact, what you're saying. I, I, I understand what you're saying. I think that there's just a lot more to winning a gold medal at the Olympics, to, to being the all-time best, to being that top player, then whether or not you, you need to feed your family. I just don't think that that's, that's the deterring factor in, in terms of that. No, I don't think it's the determining factor, but all things being equal, I, I mean, you, you got to have that, that need, that desire, the skin in the game to maintain. Um, if you don't, if it's just a cushy ride for you, like... But the skin in the, but the, skin in the game is... It can can be come down to, to pride as well, right? Like it, it can come down to you wanting to prove that you're the best, no matter what's on the line. I mean, I go down to the beach, I play anybody. It's it's me wanting to dominate, not for any reason other than wanting to show that I'm the best. Yeah, I mean, I feel that too. But I certainly felt a lot more motivated in a tournament where I paid my own way to make sure I paid my way back. Like in the focus when I'm in the hotel room, like 24-7, I'm in, this is my full thing, as opposed to, you know, I can do a I mean, half but, hour but, spurt of competitiveness. But you didn't but you didn't have that if you didn't have to pay yourself? Like I don't Well you, didn't, I, you weren't you weren't hundred percent invested in the event if, if Well I don't know what that's like. Money? That's what I'm saying. Like I've never had 
a contract just, where like I'm no, being paid no, whether I, we I, win I, or lose. Well, I mean me either. So it's hard to, yeah. to talk about really. But in my point is I feel like even if I'm getting X amount of dollars to be there, I'm still hundred percent focused. I'm still in it. And I'm, I'm fighting for every single point tooth and nail. I just think that that's a, a given. So I don't know. It's real sweet guys. Yeah. Thanks Joel. Yeah. It's real nice. Yeah. Appreciate it. This is how, this is how uh, things work here on Shark It's Cuts. probably Jake. Uh, stop knocking on your table because I'm yeah. sure super fan. Dimitri's going nuts with the knocking that's, and the audio right now. That's on me. Yeah, that's on <laughs> me. Like, that's, yeah. Did you just show that a I listener actually, full on by name? I, he gives feedback every week. I had to. Every he outed him. I know, I, hey, I know let's call him out. Bad based on the text. Meech, listen, man. You're gonna have to, you want to listen to the show. You're going to have to put up with a little bit of fidget, okay? <laughs> the fidgety guy, Meech. All right. Careful, Jake. He's going to turn it off now. He's going to shut it down. And you're like, yeah, forget these guys. Uh, just lost a like on YouTube. Super, come on. Super, super fan of volleyball. Demich, he's not, he's not turning it off. Friend of the show, Jeff Miller, started an amazing golf brand called Club Jason. Designed with quality in mind, Jason sets no limits on comfort, feel, and appeal. They are devoted to growing the game of golf and creating opportunities for those who could benefit greatly from a little extra support. 10% of all sales will go to a Club Jason scholarship for a female golfer. An additional 10% of all sales will go towards junior golf programs in Ontario. Club Jason wanted to pass on some savings to you, official friend of the show. Use promo code DIMES, that's D-I-M-E-S, at checkout to receive 15% off your order. Jason also offers free shipping in North America on any order over $99. Visit clubjason.com, that's C-L-U-B-J-S-O-N.com to check out their amazing clothing and to learn more. Jason, join the club. Fair, all right, we, we do have one more and if we get off topic, even better, because that, that was a good discussion. It started off a little light, but that was a good discussion. The last one we had for our Twisted History one, just to go through a hypothetical, would be if the court was still 9x9, nine nine, what would the game look like? Because if you think back to that era, John and Mark were still competing at the highest level. Now we've got seven-footers playing with six-foot-seven guys, and the court's a little bit smaller, and it's turned into this first-ball-side-out, be-super-physical game where John and Mark would pride themselves on their skill. And both, like, I don't think a lot of people remember this. Marquise was a blocker. They split block in a lot of situations, right? So the, the game was a little bit more smaller, but way more skilled. The blocker actually had to be able to make a dig and get off the net. And there were situations coming up. So who in today's game could still play in that era? And who would be just washed out if the game was still on 9 by 9 I need some more. I need some more clarification here. Is the, is the modern Mikasa being used or is it the old Mikasa? Or whatever they were using when the courts were nine by nine. What what kind of ball was getting used on the world tour? Counterpoint, Garrett and Jake. These guys are gamers. Counterpoint. Who gives a shit, Joel? Yeah, the ball. Come on, mate. Like we're not talking about you guys. We're talking about the game overall. If you play, if you play with Macassa and you play with a Spalding, volleyball feels a little bit different. For sure, Josh. I'm gonna challenge your even question. Who could cut it back in the day? Is that the like? Is that that's part of it? Vice versa. You want to start there? Like, I think Bruno could play in any era. I think, I think Taylor Crab. I think literally everybody now would be way better than anybody back then. 100%. You're playing nine by nine. You're telling me that they didn't nine by nine? It's an indoor court. It's freaking huge. Are we talking? Are we talking? But are we talking guys, guys from the era now going back in time to playing those guys? Or I'm talking, are we, are we talking guys playing against each other in this era just on nine by nine? Great point. That's it's a totally different question. Great point. Guys playing in this era, nine by nine, I think it totally changes what players are able to dominate. I think those athletic blockers, your guys like mole, um, even, even Stoyanovsky's got some speed to him. Like those guys are still out there for sure. Dominating. I think, um, but the guy, the bigger guys, the guys that don't have as much speed, as much ball control. Same I names, think those guys. Are... I want to talk about the guys that wouldn't make it back on a nine by nine. First name that comes to mind. What's that German blocker's name? Valkenhorst. You ever? Valkenhorst is his name. Yes. Hope you're not listening to the show, Valkenhorst. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> on eight by eight, I think I've watched a few games with them. That guy's fantastic, and but. He's slow. He's like really slow. And I think that's got to be the determining factor. Because if you watch volleyball on nine by nine, 
too, is it's fast. Like those guys, everyone's got wheels. And I think now today you can have a big blocker who's six foot nine. If they can take up a lot of court and they can set you really well. But there's a few, there's a few teams that are fully set up on that right now. Like what's the, uh, what's the Swiss team that, um, Hydric Gershon. Yeah. Isn't that blocker just like seven and a half feet tall and the defenders doing like most of the work. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it would change much to be honest, guys, like nine by nine, eight by eight. Like I think the top teams would still be the top teams. I think would make our sport way more boring. Like, oh my gosh, there's so much free space. Like you get a roll shot. The guy's got to run so much further to make a dig. Like you can just pound it way sharper. Think of all the balls you hit sharp that go out inside. That's going in now. I'm thinking the danger too of Evandro serve on the nine by nine. I'm thinking he's an absolute, like, I don't know how you're passing that thing. Two guys, nine by nine, Evandro on the baseline, absolutely ripping. Um, so yeah, I think there's some layers too, but I do, I do think like Joel was saying, kind of, it would take out a few of the, a few of the big guys, but I think it would make the athletic big guys even more dangerous. In, in my opinion, I think that they, the guys that can, that can set. And, you know, we talk about this all the time, the guys that are dominating at the net and can set and can move and have big serves. I think you're having a really hard time on a nine by nine court. And there were guys who did it in both eras. Like Emmanuel is a both era guy. But Garrett, to go back to your earlier hot take, are you saying, you know, my guy, John Child, isn't a blocker on, at a four star right now in today's era? Sorry, John. Absolutely not. You you literally have a guy hitting over top of you. Like like I, I don't I don't see around that. Like, I mean, I'm sure he would say, No, I like I could compete, I beat them and but they would compete for sure. I'm not trying to say they'd be blown out, but I mean, you could see towards the end of their careers, A, they were getting older, but B, that style of play, the game the game shifts, right? Like things change, the game changes, right? The way volleyball is played um, changes. And when you're, when you're small, you can make up for a lot of it with ball control, focus, and you can side out. But at some level, you got to make a stop. And you get these big units who can get up there and just pound around easily everybody. It's like, well, how are you going to stop that? Like, it, it's tough. Yeah, one ace per game, that's pretty exciting. But if you were to watch an Avantro game on a 9x9, nine nine, if you see, like, 13 aces in a row, it's not that exciting anymore. No, yeah, like, you're bored out of your mind. Are you kidding me? And, I mean, volleyball was pretty exciting back in the day. i got to be honest. Like, when I was a kid watching on, on the tour we used to have um, in Canada, and you play on 9x9, nine nine, it's side-out scoring. So you can have these massive comebacks as well. The old-school rules, I think, and the level the game was at, made it so that it was a little bit more exciting. The rallies were longer. You could have more variety of things happen because it wasn't such a guarantee. If a guy gets a good pass, set, it's either going to, like, you know, you're going to side out 70 80% of the time. What's going to happen the other 20%? It's going to be a block or the guy's going to dig a roll shot or something. Like, we, it's become a little bit predictable, but there you get things going off the tape. You got these massive – You could, jumbo was a legit shot back then. Like, you could – legitimately have that in your arsenal it was effective now you hit the jumbo the guy like freaking volleys it because it's that easy and sky balls too yeah like, sky balls on a nine those are timeless those are timeless yeah yeah way, way more applicable than on an eight by eight yeah send that thing up there and let it move that's one of the favorite serves to do now that i'm not really competitive is just whack it and send it yeah, up no, there Karen, yeah karen bula yeah he didn't make that happen or anything yeah Hit a cloud, man! You got a football field to land that thing on <laughs> nine by nine court. You're you're laughing seriously. It's it a down, but Marquis used to hit sky balls before Caribula. Yeah. Like he spicer used to rock. I wish that video still existed somewhere. No, totally, good. totally. His he. I've actually been out there where he's hit, when he's hit a few against us, and and they they're pretty good. They get pretty gnarly. Uh, but I think yeah, Caribula makes it work pretty well in the eight by eight. Still, I think. Yeah, I mean it works, but like if you're. Anyway, anyway, I, like I'm, I think the new rules have made the game better, but there may need to be an evolution moving forward. The one new rule that I really don't like is the hand setting rule um, that they've kind of added in the past, recent years, at least back when I was playing, and they've kind of continued that, making it so that really it's easier to hand set effectively, making it so that guys can run the fast offense and run it a lot more like indoor, which I think is good in some ways. What you like when the guys like you like when the guys were able to just catch it? And yeah, absolutely. It catch it, to? toss it up there from anywhere. Let's mix it up. Let's get real here. Let's get, let's, you know, let's let, but the barrier to entry for sets was high. 
So you had to be talented to set. You get these big guys, and they'd have to bump set because they get called if they weren't skilled enough, right? Well, Whereas then you get Phil Dalhauser coming in, throw it. who's really the best because he's hand setting. It's dish and butter. It's like wow, that guy not only is blocking you huge, he's dishing the butter. I don't know, man. I gotta, I gotta disagree with that. I think. Yeah, that's think, a hot take. That's a hot yeah, take. The, the hand setting. You're gonna get put now. in a corner here, Garrett. You look at. Oh man, I'm so happy that that volleyball's back this week with the with the Doha Open. But this team, the young Swedish kids right now, Aman and Helvig, that jump set every jump, not even jump set, jump side set every single ball. It makes the game so much more exciting. And I think like if you have that high barrier to entry, Cantor Losiak aren't aren't on the world tour. Cause even so much of what they're doing is outside the shoulder. Like they're not true, no, man. Not, not true. Yeah, those that, guys are phenomenal a, setters. No, yeah, that guy, that's a hot take too. Those guys were also dominating before they started using that style. And now I think they have perfected that style, but you watch them in U21 world stages. They they were not running that style, and they were still dominating everyone. So I think for sure it's yeah. a. I will say a, your point a, though, Joel, about like I think that's probably what's the toughest thing about our sport for spectators, right? Because fans of volleyball, I think, appreciate the nifty play, the tricky play, the fast speed, that sort of stuff. I think volleyball people enjoy that, but the spectators who don't, you know, like if you're trying to grow the game, you want to make your game appealing and. For people to come in and watch when you watch basketball the guy shoots it from a long way away and it goes in the hoop you go whoa that was some talented moves but when you see a guy run a super fast set and pound it quickly off the side of the block and it goes out of the bounds to an average viewer it's like what the hell happened there he blocked it but he got the point i don't i don't get this it was so fast i'm missing things where when you got the high ass set you got things a little bit slower because because of that then you get time for things to absorb it builds the tension in the rallies and plus, you know, you're, you, the blockers more time. You hit the roll shots. I think it. I think it did a lot to help spectators enjoy the sport. I feel like Garrett's the guy in the the room at the NHL meetings. Be like, we need a laser behind the puck. It's too hard to follow. So you need this blue <laughs> yeah, line behind exactly. the puck so the spectators <laughs> can follow. Okay, it. without replay, some of those goals you have no idea what's happening. That's that's some of them. Some of them, right? Like, but I, that's what I'm saying. Not- no, I don't. I mean, yeah, if I mean, they don't I understand a, a speed play and a chop off the block, then I don't know if they're really the fan that like we're trying to like entertain with our sport. Well, I yeah, completely no, disagree. No, like, here's, we need to grow no, this game, the, man. You got to get spectators no, in. Think about all the people who watch the NBA finals, the NBA games, not basketball at all. Here's the here's the problem, right? Is I don't know that much about football, right? But I love I love watching sitting down on Sunday and watching football. And the announcers do a really good job of exactly explaining every single thing that's happening. So now I can kind of pretend, hey, that I know what I'm talking about in football when somebody that really knows starts talking to me, right? Because I've, I've learned throughout all my years of watching football. And that's, I think, the difference in what you're saying is the, the announcers and the people need to be doing a better job of explaining what plays are happening. But I don't think that changing the game and, and de Valuizing the skill of the game is the way to get fans more excited about it. It's, hey, how do we educate our fans? How do we teach the average fan that that was a really spectacular play and this is why and this is how they did it? I, I don't think by devaluing our game or making it more simplified, that's not what any of the other sports are, are doing. To, to Everything's getting bigger, stronger, faster, more skilled, all the sports. We have to do a better job of how do we get people to understand how spectacular, how athletic that actual play was. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a good point. Like, uh, I think it is a good point. Sports are kind of getting more complex, bigger. And uh, and I think volleyball generally does a shit job of, of like, following that. It, it feels like we're this community. It's like, oh, if you're not a volleyball person, you don't get that. When it's like, no, like, let's open this shit up and make it so that you know, everybody can really come in and appreciate the sport and, and follow along. And I think, well, I hope that as the game, like, I just don't want to see beach become and look exactly like indoor. That was always my, my pet peeve. Right. And when you see guys running these fast plays, now they look so similar, which maybe you want that because indoor is far more popular than beach volleyball. I don't know, which is a great segue to a perfect segue. We got to celebrate the segue it hasn't happened yet actually and jake mcneil's lost us so we lost him so see you jake i guess uh he's relinquishing his point i'll take the win on that one we'll take a check mark there um 
segue while Jake gets reconnected here. I did a poll this week, like I did last week. This one's a little bit different than last week. Last week, we asked, who is your favorite guest so far on the show? And uh, I mean, John May won that one. Congrats to John May for that. Um, This show is garbage, had a strong resurgence since we recorded, and then got second place. So this show is garbage. Uh, Oscar, Dan, Jake. (laughs) This show is garbage, is dominating. So that's kind of a a hit to all their egos, but also to our ego um, as a show. So thanks, all you viewers who voted this show is garbage, for really letting us know what you think about the program. Anyways, this week, the uh, and I'll put this up on uh, for those watching on YouTube, but I'll read out the results. So my question was, simply, which is your favorite? Indoor volleyball? Beach volleyball? I added another option. The other option was neither. Volleyball is complete nonsense. Uh, I just figured, you know, in case there were non-volleyball fans out there, I'd give them a chance. So in first place, with 71% of the vote, indoor volleyball. Beach volleyball, 20%. And volleyball is nonsense. 10% of people think volleyball is nonsense. That's just the Yes Guy audience on your YouTube channel, though. I just want to get, like, the context of who's voting on this thing. This is the Yes Guy fan base. It's probably the people, some of the people listening right now. So if you don't like the results, hit that up and hit the, hit the vote button. But I do think it's representative of, like, the to trend of our popularity of our sport around the world. Like, the fact is, indoor volleyball is straight up far more popular than beach volleyball. Definitely. And I think for next time we run this poll, let's add sitting because I think Canadian sitting's on the rise and we're going to be very popular in that very soon. I think the women's program's already qualified for the Olympics and the guys will hopefully next time. Anyways, small segue to the other Passing Knives podcast because we, we've had a few other players on the show. Um, I, I totally agree with you and I want to know, maybe we can debate this out. Is it the accessibility of beach volleyball that people don't have as many opportunities? Like when I started working for the OVA on the OVA beach tour, we only went to Coburg and Toronto. And Hernan straight up told me, he's just like, if we lived in Ottawa, Melissa wouldn't play beach volleyball. And that was shocking. Like, we would not have a world champion in our sport just because the the family couldn't commit to doing that, right? So um, not having access to even play in your own province or your own region sometimes, like, why would you be interested in a sport that you can't participate in is maybe the biggest thing why people think indoor is so much better than beach because uh, I, I would take beach over indoor any day. But obviously, growing up in Canada, you get access to both. But Maybe some people don't have access to beach, and that maybe sways the vote. I'm trying to find where. Yeah, it seems to be such a chicken in the egg problem to me. Whenever this is like this is the age old debate in beach volleyball, right? Is why why don't we have the prize person? Why don't we have the same level of notoriety for um, for beach volleyball as we do for for indoor? And it, it's so tough because you look at sports. Let's uh, the NBA, obviously a huge comparison because. Uh, it's obviously on such a different scale, but the NBA and all North American pro sports weren't always playing, paying people tens of millions of dollars. And there was really smart people that built up. Like, I think that the current commissioner of the NBA is, is and the, the people running that league have been doing something right, because now you've got NBA players making more than baseball players, which I don't think most Americans would have ever thought was going to happen. And so it's, but is basketball a better sport than baseball? I'll say so, but there's 10, 10 million people who probably disagree with me, right? And so it's tough. Like, is beach volleyball suffering in terms of it, its its fame because of the sport, or is it because of the people that are that are kind of that have been managing the tournaments, that have been put in charge of making the decisions to grow it? I think to to Jake and Garrett's earlier debate, like sports are getting faster and they're also, but they're also at the same time, including much more replay to try and slow it down, to bring the audience up to speed with what's going on. I think for beach volleyball the and for volleyball in general, because even indoor doesn't do enough of it is the net play I think is such an under or under understood. If that's a correct term, part sure, of the game, we'll like, walkers do with their hands, what attackers do to like what a thumb down attack does were they at full extension? I think if you, like, I don't, I don't think football is that exciting of a sport, but they break it down and they have a week to build up every matchup that by the time Sunday rolls around, you know, so much about every matchup on the field, you know, so much about every team that it's exciting to watch. 
That's true. My man. girlfriend and I watched the Super Bowl. She never watched football before. She's like, this is a really boring game. Like, this is a boring sport. But if she had been li- like reading news and reading stats and reading buildup on the Super Bowl, she would have appreciated the Tom Brady context. She would have appreciated the ca- context of the Chiefs. And so I think with beach volleyball fans, you have this opportunity that we're not capitalizing on where say, okay, what don't they know enough about? Do they not know enough about when you have a country quota in the States that happened for Doha? Do they not know that it's going to be Kame Schalk's first time playing on the FIVB for the USA? Do they know COVID? Trader, by the way, not afraid. What's that? Trader. Just wanted to point out, Trader. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Kame, shout out, Trader. <laughs> but you also have this opportunity, like in the game, if it be, if it's going the way of indoor, where you've got these fast sets and you want to give people the option to run quick two ball options and and very spread offenses, do we do we put a camera on top of the net on both sides? Do we put a camera in the sand looking upwards at the net to explain like what the blocker is doing with their hands as they penetrate over the net? Do we explain different kinds of serves better? I don't know. We. For OVA tournaments and in Canada, we may not have those resources, but on the world tour, I appreciate volleyball just because I play it. But if you want people watching it that don't play it, like I never played football yeah. in a school even, but I can appreciate an NFL game because they break it down so well. Yeah, it's true. We don't really do a good job of telling stories, do we? And, and you know what? I will say, I think indoor does that far better than than beach. And, and if you look at the pro scene indoors, not the international scene, because I think the international scene benefits from the pro kind of pro league setup is you know people are very interested in the top players there they do a really good job of showcasing that highlight tapes on youtube of indoor players are like the most popular volleyball content out there and i mean it makes sense it would be the same thing for any other sport and so i think they do a good job of selling those people as kind of the heroes of the sport and kind of what you know examples for people to to follow and look up to but uh, I think generally we don't do a great job storytelling. Like you think about an indoor match is five sets. And how long would that match take to play out? Potentially, you know, an hour to two hours, you know, like that's a significant amount of time. Maybe the same as an NBA game or an NHL game or an NFL game. When you look at a beach volleyball match, you got a pre-quarter final that's over in 32 minutes. That's including timeouts and stuff. It's like, uh-huh. What? You got a tennis match that lasts four hours in the second round that they're telling the story. It's this gauntlet that's kind of built. And then you got a beach volleyball match where like, oh, next team in. Yep. Let's keep it rolling. I've never thought about that before because like I I think about golf because I think beach volleyball and golf are so similar in that like they're not the fastest sports and they don't have like the most, I don't know, consistently occurring exciting events. But... To hit a golf ball in four tries, 500 yards from in between two wooden posts to a hole that's the size of your mug, I think you. I think that's an incredible skill. And they have, but they have so much time to get to your point. When a round of golf takes four hours, three hours for, for if you're on the PGA Tour, that's a long time to talk about right injuries, backstory. Very totally right. Beach volleyball match, you're like introducing the players and then it's technical timeout, like right after. And they changed the rules to make it so there's only five seconds between rallies. I don't know what you guys are talking about, but I'm sure that it's all wrong. Oh, welcome back. He's back. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Uh, Thanks for joining us. We're just talking about how uh, volleyball doesn't do a great job of marketing itself to kind of the fan. And you know what? In the game. Back to the commentary. That's a big piece. And we do a terrible job of that. There are a lot of awful, and I, I don't really, I should have had names prepared because I'd be willing to call people out by name. I have no names, but there's a lot of awful volleyball commentators out there. You think about the streams you get of like university games or the college games. Like, what are these people even talking about sometimes? You know what I'm saying? You watch international, like you're, maybe you're getting one person and have a full broadcast crew. Like, are there interviews? Like, what are we doing here? I, I am keen to help improve that around the no, world. I, 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 and I do, I totally agree with that. That goes along with two marketing our players outside of the game as well in between matches, making them more stars, like a hundred percent. I think that part of the game could use some serious buffing as well as the in 
in match stuff that you just brought up to a really good point, but making our players more of a star. I don't know. Somebody was comparing something to golf as well, though, but action pack beach volleyball well, matching. I'd appreciate if you didn't try to that. comment on something you maybe missed because you were away. Just maybe glaze over that a little bit. That'd I'm be great. Take, though. <laughs> Comes in after being gone for 10 minutes. Don't know what you're talking about. All wrong. Don't know what you're talking about. You're a complete, you're a complete idiot. Um, yeah, boys. Well, that was brought up, Jake. You missed the poll. What should the poll be for this next week, guys? Because I'll do one on Monday, and then we'll talk about it next Wednesday. Maybe let's ask who their favorite player is. Like, who is the best storytelling player? So we can start to work backwards and say, this player does have a good following. I like to, like, hear their story. And we can see, like, what you like to do. Because I agree with you. There's other sports where even, like, lacrosse got a big boost, and, and they're they're so smart about this. They're not even doing a city model anymore. They're doing festivals. So they move their eight teams around the country in the U S and they sell t-shirt jerseys and there's podcasts and there's videos where I've never even seen a live game, but you can tell that's so-and-so and they build up the player in the backstory where that's a niche sport where if you want to learn more, you just have to Google more. If you want to learn more about Canadian beach volleyball, you might have to follow that individual player on Instagram and hope they post frequently. Like there's no way to get this information, right? Yeah. Like that's the thing about our sport is if you want to learn about it, you have to like, have the energy to go consume it, where if I want to learn about the, the NHL, access. I need to turn my TV on. Like or the, the access to the to the players as well, yeah. right? Like you can, if you don't, I mean, all of our players I think would be pretty great if someone did reach out, but that's like more of an uncomfortable situation. But if you can, like again, gaining following, right? Like knowing more about the players, all these things make you feel more emotionally attached, like attached to the player and to the sport. That's where you get the passion of the people, you know, who are absolute Tom Brady fans because this and this and this and this versus the, uh, a fan of, you know, Peyton well, Manning or, too, or whatever. Like, right? game, like my comparison to golf was more, they do a really good job of highlighting, okay, the lie of the ball, why it's difficult to make that shot. And it makes you appreciate, because golf's pretty boring to watch on TV, but if you appreciate, if you've ever been golfing, you appreciate how talented those guys are. And I think we need to do a better job of like, also highlighting like beach volleyball is a hard sport. If you have like, depending on the angle of the camera, it's tough to appreciate even an eight by eight meter court, how big that is in some circumstances, how difficult it is to play in the winds, how like, how you have to orient your wrist to do a cut shot. And for us, that's all pretty simple. But I think for a fan, if, like, if you want to get a person like Jake McNeil, who knows nothing about football, watching football on Sundays, but you want them watching beach volleyball on Saturdays or Sundays for the medal matches. You got to be able to explain why the sport is oh, difficult. Totally. Totally. It's exciting. And why, like in a lot of cases, I think what they do too, is like, if like making you appreciate, if you were there live, why it would be more exciting than watching TV. Like, why is it difficult to play in the wind? I can't see wind on TV, but like having those talking about the strategies and totally, totally. And, and, and I'm ready and, and available. Anybody out there listening who's working that, give me a call. Yes, Guy Gaming, I will do it. I will do it anytime, anywhere. Nobody's called yet, guys, so uh, we'll just keep trying. Poll for the next week. Who will hire me? (laughs) Who will hire me? No one is going to win that for sure, so I'm not sure that. And, guys, for the poll, I have to list out all the options. It's all the options. Who's going to hire you? And it's just all the op- it's just all the options. Like I have to list, so I gotta I gotta decide what the options are. So I mean, like, who's your favorite player? I'd have to pick a, a five or six to like say, or who's going to hire me? I'd have to pick a group, right? But you know, for you know, for the beach indoor thing, who's been the best guest so far? That works perfectly. I mean, this show is garbage doing well. That's kind of disappointing. Ten percent of people said volleyball is nonsense. Mm, that really boded boding the option though i think it's it's because you dangle you dangle it in front of them they're gonna take it so you don't only give them positive things to say (laughs) yeah i'll just only i'll just what do you think about this show it's great it's amazing you guys are the best best show i recommend that's all hey that's all you get and then maybe like other comments Just to give them an option. Yeah, it's going to be others. going to be, you guys are garbage. You guys are terrible. This show is garbage. <laughs> Joel and Jake, J and J and J, get them off the show, my boys. Did we lose Jake again? That or he's really deep in thought here. Like, he's just staring he's a hole. thinking in. deep. Okay. I, the poll might be, whose internet was worse? Jake or Sam Schachter? Because this is 
embarrassing. We ask for professionalism on this show to come out and bring your A-game, bring some discussion, bring some sharp cuts, and you can't even bring 10 megabit download speed internet. I'm pretty sure he made fun of me at the start of this for saying that I, making sure that I was on my 5.0 Wi-Fi. And then look, look at this, look at this guy. Yeah, like what the, I mean, I'm looking at him and he's not moving. And I mean, I mean, well, you guys can't see that. I'm looking at that at the recording is he's not moving. Jake, how you doing? He fidgets way too much to be sitting still this long. He's definitely gone. Yeah, he's gone. <laughs> well, well, Josh, I mean, what do you think, man? Well, out of all our episodes, I definitely put this in the top five. I, 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 would you? I, I don't know. Five? What's <laughs> that? You don't need to know that. <laughs> Out of all our episodes, it's one of them. It, yeah, it is one of them, and it has been a time. You guys get what you pay for by bringing on the token and myself. <sighs> we certainly got our money's worth, didn't we, Josh? <laughs> Yeah, again, Joel, I'm not sure what Josh kind of promised you, but it's not coming, whatever it is. I mean, it's in the mail, and I'm not sure it may ever arrive. So I think the polls you do, Garrett, are great feedback for the show, but I would also like to just encourage, you know, they hit that like button on YouTube. They subscribe to you, whether they listen to it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you're listening to this, just give us the the five stars or the thumbs up or the subscribe. We'd love to hear from you guys. Leave a comment. It actually does help the show grow, and maybe if we grow, maybe our uh, production values and guests will start to go up a little bit more, and uh, it just helps everybody. You know, people helping people. That's right. I had a comment today, Josh on the YouTube channel saying, hey, it would be really cool if you could listen to this podcast on Spotify. And I, I commented and I said, you can already. It's out there. Here's a link. So, I mean, are we moving up in the world? Is Sharp Cuts making an impact? Probably not. But, I mean, hey, we're doing something. Maybe if, like when it, when Jake brought up the NFL thing, I'll give Tony Romo a lot of credit. You listen to that guy talk for a quarter of football, and you start to feel smart and tactically involved. Where we'd like to fool around a little bit on the show, but I think for serious, like if somebody wants to hire us to do any live streaming, any like even university matches, talk about the Ramley with alumni Joel Hannon, and just get some storytelling there. Like when I think about like even professional wrestling that I was into in a little kid, it wasn't the matches that were always entertaining. It was the buildup. It was like the, the passion, the promos. Like I think volleyball is missing out on a lot of stuff. Yeah. I mean, if anybody's willing to hire us just period, like, I mean, it's tough times <laughs> out there. We're hungry. Uh, we're ready. I mean, sharp cuts. That's the show. I mean, this is how we end the shows, Joel. I, I don't know. I mean, if you listen, if you're a listener or not, I mean, shame on you if you haven't, but I mean, it just kind of goes downhill until we decide that we've had enough. I, I thought it was going to end when people uh, we start ragging on Skype and they just cancel our connection. I mean, that's also what happens. I mean, that ha- that's happened twice now, and we're this is episode four. So, oh, I mean, I hope it's not a regular thing. We maybe got to be a little bit choosier about our guests. Do it. Prerequisite to be on the show is an internet ping test and see what your score is before we even think about having you on the show. Joel, you passed, man. I I appreciate it. It was a pleasure again to chat with you guys. I always love talking volleyball and and uh, yeah. Pleasure. Just one text message from friend of the show, Jake McNeil, before we go is uh, couldn't even get my tech working without my partner in crime, Johnny May. So he's going to blame it that we didn't book him with his, his favorite partner, which means he might be out next time and Joel just has to go get a new partner. Yeah, but even he's digging in the knife too. He's His tech fails and then he sends a text mentioning my dad. Again, it's like, can we not have enough of this guy in every single freaking episode? You got to send a text, buddy. Oh, uh, whatever. Is Josh, there a bit of a shadowing going on? Is John May coming up too often in the in conversation when he's not even here? All right, I'll tell we you the story. I know we're, we're over time, but uh, so the, yesterday he phones me. We record these episodes before we go because we got to edit. We got to get some stuff going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He phones me and he says, oh, "Hey, I heard you're recording." Uh, what, what, I'm not on the show? Like, I'm your favorite guest. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, why did I ever include him as an option on who's your favorite guest? And, of course, he wins with 60% of the vote. It's like, <laughs> I, he will never let that. I got to do another poll and just in brackets put, don't vote for him. And then, well, people, of course, will. But, uh, yeah, there's a little yeah. background for you. That's fine. I checked out, I checked out the episode from last week with, um Schachter 
and just to see like what the conversation was like. And yeah, I heard yeah, John even still came up then. So yeah, it's getting to be a bit much. It's only episode four. So Josh, maybe you can end the show before uh, before he actually phones me and tries to get on the show. Anyways, that uh, that would be great for me. Well, thanks to everybody who listened. We, we we really do appreciate it, and we are trying to provide some alternative volleyball content. I think we got in some great discussions. There was some soft takes, some hot, hot takes. It was great to have Joel because I mean, sorry we had to start a podcast, you know, so you and I could catch up. But it was great to hear your voice and your ideas. And, and thanks for everything you shared. And oh, as we're trying to leave, <laughs> no, look no, who comes back. No, no, <laughs> hang up. Hey, you no. know what? No, it's not my fault. Char, you know, Apple products. No. You know, it is. It is what it is. Yeah. All right. I, I've learned, I, you I've know, learned. I really needed my partner in crime. That's that's why. No, yeah, small, we heard. We heard. You're interrupting small, now. It was, small, it was a small protest because you didn't bring Johnny back. Oh my me. gosh, it, this is too much. You're hurting. Uh, Josh, continue, please. You've been interrupted by Jake. New episodes every Monday. Stay excellent, everybody. We're calling it there. We gotta go. Oh gosh. <laughs> <laughs>